Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Lynn Bauman. She has won national awards as a creative director for several Silicon Valley companies, has been advertising manager, actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and even television weather person. In 2010, Lynn teamed up with actress Deidre Hall, any Day of Our Lives fans out there, to write and publish Deidre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up and its sequel, Deidre's Hall's How Does She Do It? Her latest book, however, Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them, is a result of her own challenge of living with type 2 diabetes. She describes herself as a glam grandma who knows how to get you to eat your veggies. Wow. Hello, Lynn, and welcome to Back to Basics. I am so happy to be here. We've already started talking and it's just such fun to meet people across the miles who are living very different lives and so on. And here we are, boom, best friends now for (laughs) something like that. So big fun. Yeah. Yes. And I even stumble on your introduction because there's so much in there, Lynn. I mean, it's incredible all you've done. Let's talk about that because there's a reason. And that is one, I'm really old. I'm 76. So, and I, and I'm wonderful. My God, thank you. But I'm happy about that. And, and that's the message being in your seventies and older, it's the happiest I've ever been. It's a swell time of life. If you're healthy. That is such a great, great acknowledgement. Yes. So, so that's the message. And when I started out back in the sixties in my first real time jobs. You know, I mean, I had done little things and as a teenager, but back then women had about four options. You know, you could be a nurse, you could be a, an airline stewardess, uh, is what they called us back in the day. And, or you could be a teacher and that a secretary, that was about it. And I knew I was going to be a really bad secretary for reasons we won't go into. <laughs> and I didn't have any interest in being a nurse and so on. So what happens is you take whatever you can find. You know, you you dive in and sometimes tell little, you know, kind of white lies. But, oh, sure, I can do that. Oh, I've done that, right? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and and you, get, you get jobs. That's what we did. We didn't plan careers. You know, we just got jobs. Anywhere we thought, and it was usually with somebody who knew somebody and said, oh yeah, Lindsay, you know, she's okay. Get her to do it. You know, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) And we didn't, we didn't have resumes, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a plan or a clue back in the day. We dressed cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's uh, definitely um, something that I think there's a part of our fascination, you know, people that didn't live on that time about the dressing and the fashion and what was going on. But that's what we had to operate on. You know, that was what we had. So we used it. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And so when when you so tell us a little bit about you know where you're from, and I always very curious about the the your young years. Like as a young little girl, you you kind of given us a little bit of a preview. But what were your dreams, and what were you the if any of it aligned with what you eventually ended up doing in all those jobs and all those things. What was a young Lynn like? Yes, but in a very roundabout, peculiar way. I was aware very early in my life, I mean, as a small child, that I was an artist and that's what I love to do and that's what I wanted to do and I was pretty good at it as a little kid. And you think, wait, how does a five-year-old know? No, you just, kids know, right? I, I had a very keen interest in it. I grew up in a suburb outside of Los Angeles, Pasadena, California, you know, kind of a post-war LA uh, suburb of little ticky-tacky houses where all the men had been in the service and all the wives were um, wives. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Nobody, the wives didn't work back in the day. Uh, the big scandal in our neighborhood, the woman next door had been divorced and we all knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about as crazy as it got. So it was kind of like a bad sitcom. But uh, so I grew up in the movie industry in a way because L.A. is a very, very much a company town. Mm-hmm. So the movie studios, Disney, all those places, uh, the dads, that's where they worked, you know. And and then as I became a teenager, a little older, my girlfriend started working in the industry. And, and that's what was there. That was what was available. So, you know, you need, you need an extra, you need somebody to say a few lines. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, you need something. Yeah, sure. I can do that. So I had exposure to that industry early and one of, one of my first, oh, and I went to UCLA for three semesters, Mm -hmm. but, and this is kind of a convoluted long answer to your question. No, I love it. This is part of the, of the journey. Going back to early childhood. I went to a, the usual public elementary school, but I was a bit of pain, Leticia, because I was that little girl in the back of the room going, I know the answer to that. Because my my older brother and sister had taught me how to read, how to write, about math, all that stuff. And so in school, I was that little wiggly thing in the back of the room going, what? I thought this was going to be cool and fun. <laughs> and this is just all old hat. So the teachers would end up sending me off to other classrooms to teach the other little kids how to do sheep or cows <laughs> or whatever. And I was fine with that. So I figured out early in life how to get out of class. And <laughs> I did that for the whole rest of my education until I hit UCLA. And, and my mother had died when I was 18. Hmm. And that's a very seminal thing in our lives. It's no very young to be. Yes. Happens. Yes. But I mean, my friends now are losing their 90 year old mothers. And it's it's always a big one, huge one. But what happened to me when I was 18 is in a matter of months, she had been ill with a, a chronic disease, which also affected the trajectory of my life. As you can see from the book, I'm all about helping people not be devastated by chronic disease. Mm -hmm. Because when I was 18, her death left me without a mom, without a home, with my dog had to be sent away. My brother and sister were gone. My dad quickly married someone. So at the age of 18, everything I had known in terms of a home and safety and so on was gone. Wow. That's heavy. And there are, that happens every day. And as we're keenly aware, looking in the newspaper for different reasons, but it happened to me in this 
particular way that put me on a trajectory, even though I didn't understand it at the time. So about my third semester at UCLA, I was sitting in class going, this is stupid. Why am I here? My dad can't afford this. I even the scholarships aren't paying for that. And I don't want to learn about geology. I don't care. It's done. And I quit and got a one way ticket to Europe. I, I got a little job in downtown LA and a garment district agency, advertising agency, saved up enough to go to Europe. And I went. That was for me the beginning of real life because, well, I got to France and went, now these people, these people understand how to live. You know, their buildings are wonderful. Their food is wonderful. You know, they, they, and, and it was a, a whole country full of people who appreciated art. So yeah, it was great. Only problem was in France, if you're not from the right family, you can't get work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was a big shocker to me coming from the United States where, hey, if you're willing to work, or at least this used to be, if you're willing to work, you can work. There's always something for somebody. And so I came back six months later and started work at a tech company. And then pretty soon I met this guy, went to work. He encouraged me to come and apply for this small cosmetic company that was starting in the Valley, Redken Laboratories. Mm -hmm. You may know the name. Of course. Well, in those days, it was one little building. The president was a woman. Wow. I was so impressed. I liked her. And it was great. For three years, it was like my grad school, my crash course in marketing and advertising. And I had a blast. I worked around the clock, but it was wonderful. And, um, and then because it was the sixties, I woke up one day and went, you know, at this rate, I could be 45 and single an old maid. I'll never get anywhere. It's just going to be, of course, what I didn't realize then, and no one advised me because why advise a young woman about business? Had I stayed another couple of years, they would have gone public. I would have made a fortune. Oh, my God. Oh <laughs> right? My God. Yes. And who knows? I might have owned the joint after 15 oh. or 20 years. <laughs> but at the time, all I could think about was my life is flashing before my eyes. And, you know, I'm, I'm just working all the time. And, of course, now that's what women aspire to, right? But then in the 60s, no, it was it was. Marriage, motherhood, you know, home, family, all that sort of thing. And because I had lost mine, I had a keen interest in having a family. And so I, I left. No one said, well, just take a leave of absence. I didn't know. <laughs> so I left and went on and did other things, other jobs, including the broadcasting thing. Worst weather person ever, ever, ever. <laughs> but, but you try things. And I absolutely don't regret nor will you younger ladies listening to this, trying and failing at whatever you can get your arms around, trying and failing. That's how we learn. And that's where some of your best material will come for. That is great <laughs> advice. Our, yes. Your, your dinner party conversation, you can talk about your miserable experience. And I've had many in, in jobs. You figure out what you don't want to do, you know, Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I totally, I'm totally with you there. And so, and it's fascinating to see, you know, the, all the little experiences and, and where they have taken you. And then obviously, you know, you 
eventually decided to collaborate with your good friend and, and get into the book writing and also into making sure that you create some goodness around how we eat and, and also having to deal with the diabetes and, and, and all that. So I haven't had to deal with that in my close family, but I know that this is a big issue for a lot of people. And so tell us about the book and, and all that, that particular initiative. It's huge. And I, I started writing the book because my kids, all in their 40s now, and two of them are parents, so kept saying to me, Ma, you need to write this stuff down. You need to write this down. Because, and, they all, and they pointed out to me, I didn't realize that my conversation was always peppered with recipes in a very grandma way. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. And then there was a time we made those beans. Remember the ones where you take the this and the that and so on? Because I had always cooked as an adult. I rarely had any money. You know, and I had a bunch of kids. And so what you do is you, you have to find ways to put meals on the table fast, cheap, right? And I always was interested in, in staying healthy and I wanted my kids to be healthy. And there is very little support for that, as you know, Leticia, out there in the world. The things that the kids are seeing commercials about and that their friends are eating and so on. It's, it's a bit of a challenge to... Yes. to Yes. feed them well and feed yourself well. So my kids said, write this book. And, you know, I, and I thought, well, that'd be fun. Cause I had some experience writing these books with Deidre and uh, marketing them. And, and I had written one way back when, when PageMaker, do you remember PageMaker? It was the first desktop publishing program. And it was the first time we had the power to create these printed materials ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at home on our computer. So Wonderful. It was really cool. So the first one was done that way. It was called Fast, Cheap, and Skinny. Mm -hmm. um, good, and good title. Some, uh, illustrations for it was yeah. fun with my friend, Melissa Streeter. And then th the books with Deidre came about at her kitchen table. She said, go to Australia with me. I'm going to Australia. And I, whoa, I want to go to Australia with you. <laughs> went, right. And she said, you know, we were planning. I said, you need, you need a book. We need to take a book with us because then you could... Yeah, good idea. And six weeks later, we had the book. Wow. I just, that was my craft. You know, I just came home and, rah, 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 and we would talk back and forth on the computer and she'd send me some stuff and boom, there it was. Incredible. And it was fun. And it was fun connecting with her fans and traveling with her. We always had a blast doing that. But then this latest book was a slightly more serious effort after all the years of trying to figure out what the answers were. What do you eat? When do you eat it? How much do you eat? And, and how, how much control do you have over your blood sugar, over your health? And what's, you know, all those things. I couldn't get answers from the American Diabetes Association and the heart, you know, all these, and your, your physician wanted to just prescribe the medication for you. And then next, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. she had 15 minutes to yeah. deal with your problem. And then you would be sent to a dietitian, and more than once, it was my. I had one or two who were good and wonderful. But when a two hundred and fifty pound dietitian walks in the room, <laughs> you what do you say to yourself? Well, maybe this isn't the person that I want to of teach course. me about food, and this is not unusual at all. And anyone who has been in a hospital looks around and sees that the people at, who are working at that hospital are not necessarily healthy. 
mm-hmm. shall we say. Mm-hmm. So I began writing the book and I love doing that, the craft of it and, and, and illustrating it. And now we have these amazing phones where we can take photographs. And so it was important to me that the photographs in the book were not styled by professionals or cooked by professionals. Everything in my book, I made in my kitchen and I photographed with my camera so you could actually see real food the way it would turn out in your kitchen the way you made it. So you wouldn't stand in your kitchen and go, wait, it's supposed to have this brown crust and it's supposed to be around. You know, the whole point to the book was you can do this. And I want you to do this because unless you cook your own food, here's the punchline, Leticia, unless you cook your own food, you will never be as healthy as you could be. I think that's absolutely very good advice. Yes. And so you need to know how to do simple, fast, inexpensive meals and or partial meals. That's what the book is. And we all love sweets, me more than anyone. So I wanted to share with everybody how I had learned to make super yummy sweets over the years with no sugar and no oil and no flour because processed flour, for one example, just turns into glucose quickly. It's, it's just like eating sugar, no different. Uh, very high glycemic index food. So the book is designed specifically for diabetics, but what I learned in the process of doing it, the more deeply I researched was it's the same prescription for everybody. Mm-hmm. Heart disease, kidney disease, any kind of inflammation, GERD, you know, your stomach, your butt, all of it, it's all the same prescription. And it's, we can say it in a few words and you could probably repeat it before I do. And it's whole food, plant-based eating. Yeah, no, definitely there's uh, something there that you can tell that the body feels. I think the pandemic, for instance, going to your point of home cooking, I've always liked to cook on my own as well. But through the pandemic, you we didn't go to restaurants. We didn't try travel all the time for work. And I suffer from high blood pressure. And, uh, you know, and I cook with very little salt my entire life. But then during the pandemic, guess what happened? Like I had low blood pressure because I guess I was taking medication, but because I was not eating outside, I was eating only the food I cook, which is with very little salt. All the That's time. That's a super important message. People yeah. ask me, what about salt? And I say, sprinkle it on. Go ahead. I love salt. Truffle salt, smoky salt. All those salts are a great way to add flavor quickly, simply. When you're not eating processed food, packaged food, you're not eating much salt. Yep. Yeah. The salt that we most of us absorb every day is in bags of chips and um, cans of stuff. and fast food. I mean, you don't want to know how much salt is in that takeout bag that you just grabbed for lunch. That's where the salt has come from. So you're a great example of what happens. You may be over-medicated for- I was. They had to remove one pill because I was completely on the, and I haven't gone back, but uh, you know, that's the impact of, of course, anybody in business, I eat a lot. You know, if I have a business meal, a lunch or dinner, you're at the restaurant, you cannot control how much salt they put in the, in the food and that kind of stuff. And you know 
that a restaurant's business is not your health. A restaurant's business is to get you to come back because the food is so yummy. And so the way they make the food yummy is with a lot of sugar and fat and salt. Yes. No, absolutely. It's, It's incredible. So definitely I will check even your book out. I think it's a great, uh, great mission to create awareness around that, how really important it is to, especially if you have any chronic disease. Now, the question for you is, do you believe that if any of these chronic re- diseases can be reversible Can by the way we eat or how we manage that? That is a big, fat yes. Mm-hmm. I'm a good example. My hemoglobin A1C even one year ago, was 7.3. It's now 6.3. Because And hemoglobin A1C, for anybody who, who is not familiar with it, it's the test that tells you what your blood glucose is over a period of months, like three months. And so it's a good, reliable indicator. Not It's not just one hour or one day. It's, it's an average indicator of what your blood glucose is. And what I've been told by doctors is, well, Lynn, that just doesn't happen. Someone your age, well, it does happen. I did it myself and I know other people who've done it. It takes some discipline, yes. But what people kind of don't understand is that in this country, something like 88%, depending on whose statistics you're looking at, of us have chronic disease most of which is preventable or reversible just with food and movement. And and I will add to that sleep that we need to really always think of that when we think about how we're eating and how we're moving. Sleep is a huge part of it. And it relates directly to what you're eating and when you're eating. You can't get good sleep if you're eating badly. That's uh, definitely, I think that's something that we, we all struggle with, with the craziness of our day-to-day lives, but I, I totally see it. And, and you have a beautiful skin. So I'm sure that a lot of this advice, it's a, if you're an example of what you can achieve looking, you know, uh, like you um, in the 70s, well, it's you. incredible. Our vanity can work in our favor, you know. I, I think many of us, women particularly, who have been looking in the mirror all of our lives and you know putting on blush and thinking about it, our hair, whatever, it can work in your favor because that's a first indicator of things not going right in your body is you'll see it in your skin or your eyes mm-hmm. um, or your hair or whatever. And that's how you know. And something like Diabetes is very sneaky and quiet, and you can actually go decades. You see that more in men who are very resistant to going and getting their exams and getting tested and so on. You know what? And I love my husband and my son, and I'm crazy about men, but they've got a couple of blind spots. Anyone who's been married to one probably knows this about their health. They don't like being drugged in for an exam. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they will put it off for a long time because it's it goes against, you know, being immortal and <laughs> powerful and all those things that guys want to be. So you need to get checked after you're 40 because the sooner and my advantage, Leticia, was that I knew early, I knew in my 40s that I was a type 2 diabetic because I had gestational diabetes. Mm. Heads. And that's an indication that you are going to have 
quite likely type two going to have a proclivity to type two diabetes. So I knew to watch for it. And because I had lost my mom, I had a special reason, an anxiety about it. And I was determined to beat it if I could. And so I'm hoping other people will, will benefit from that and not suffer from it. You don't need to suffer from it. You just need to decide. You need to commit, make a decision that you're going to do what you need to do to be healthy. Mm, that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful advice uh, to stay healthy. And so, Lynn, I mean, you have such a diverse life and experiences, and we have a lot of youngsters in the audience. What's like the the most uh, surprising advice you would you would give someone that maybe it's in starting their life, or maybe you know people that are still on the journey where they're trying to figure out how to live a happy life? I, I find a lot of what I try to do with this show is to 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 help people stay connected to what matters to them, and to what's the true essence, their authentic self. What would mm. your advice uh, to others would be uh, to stay true to themselves? That's a huge question. I, at my age, what's on my mind is be a good friend. Mm. There's nothing that matters more as time goes on than people you love and people you like a lot. And being a good friend, whatever that means, means you will have good friends. And sometimes they're your children. Sometimes they're your grandparents or your parents. But yes, we need money. We need means. We need to have shelter and uh, so on. But mainly you need your health because if you don't have it, Everything else falls apart, unfortunately, and you can't always help it. So the combination of your health and your friendships, hopefully, will make your life happy. And I cannot imagine, I mean, money isn't going to buy it for you. It's helpful. But if you're hurting yourself, work overworking, working too hard, ignoring your family, your friends, or your social opportunities, I would give that a second thought. Mm, that's that's beautiful. Thank you so much. And so just last question, I want to give you an opportunity to say, is there anything else that you're working on that you're excited about? Anything we haven't touched upon? Please uh, use this time to share with us. Okay. I'm glad you asked because it, fairly recently, I've become aware of how hormones for menopausal women and postmenopausal women have been maligned. They kind of went off the rails. We've had bad information about the research and women have been made to fear being treated with hormone replacement therapy. Uh, it's had very bad press. And the truth of the matter is that hormone replacement can be health-giving and amazing as a therapy. If you take bio identical hormones, not the kind that come from horses or whatever, but bioidentical hormones given the correct way, compounded the correct way, can, can bring back bone health, muscle health, and a lot of other benefits, including diabetic health. So I'm now working with Dr. Selma Rashid is her name, and, and we're working on bringing out some information, I hope, in a way that will be 
digestible. Uh, I mean, because it's it's geeky, you know, it's it's cellular biology in a way. But I'm working with with Selma to come out with some understandable, meaningful information, good information about hormones for women from menopause on. Oh, that sounds very exciting. Sounds it very is. excited. So congrats. We'll, we'll definitely look more into it and be on the lookout for, I'm sure, a new book on it. Yes, coming up. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, well, the last question then is, Lynn, besides everything you share with us, what else makes you tick? How do you stay connected to who you tru truly are? Well, I am headed to Nevada in a few days to hold my grandson. Oh, yes. For as long as I can and sniff his little bald head <laughs> <laughs> and look at his one little tooth and try and make him laugh. Because in the end, I'm sorry, that's the best. That is the reward. It's absolutely miraculous and wonderful. Uh, and I can't wait. Oh, my God. Congratulations. And I mean, I'm not surprised about that answer because, yes, nothing like the love of family, the love of kids, grandkids. That's something. And, and it's something you can never convince the other person to understand unless they go through it. It's like when you don't have a kid and you say, yeah, being a parent is it must be special. And then you become a parent and you say there's nothing that can compare to that feeling. So, so and we also know that gratitude is such an important process and feeling and expression in our lives. And it's very hard to hold a baby like that and not just be deeply, deeply grateful for the experience and um, the gift of that child. So sweet. Well, I do hope you enjoy every second of it. And I am deeply grateful that our paths crossed and to have you in, in my show and sharing all the, this incredible information and you're an inspiration. So I thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you. I'm so glad we connected, Leticia. Perfect. And everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. And until the next episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.